Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Time to redo this basement? Yeah. A home gym, movie theater, model train utopia. Or yoga studio? I'm flexible-ish. Great. I'll just use the U.S. Bank mobile app so we can plan it out. Which way are you leaning? Setting a savings goal or applying for a home improvement loan? I say we look at both options. Right here in the app. Budget for a really good home gym. We deserve it. <laughs> Noted. Help for today, planning for tomorrow. That's what U.S. Bank is for. U.S. Bank. We'll get there together. Equal housing lender member FDIC.
Hi, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is Sunday, June 12th. Tonight's guest is David Lioncourt. We'll be talking to David in about 45 minutes or so. We're going to play music between now and then, get into some of the metal news and what's happening in the world of heavy metal this week. Uh, next week is Father's Day, so we don't have a live show next week. I'm thinking about pre-recording it. We'll see how it goes during the week. But right there, Chateau, Chained and Desperate, featuring Steve Grimmett on vocals. I've been playing a lot of Steve Grimmett stuff on the show lately. I don't know why, I've just been in the mood for it. Always a big fan of his and all the bands he's been a part of, especially Grim Reaper. And we've had Steve on the show many times over the years. And now that they're out there touring again and playing live, maybe I'll reach out to them and get him back on the program. All right, let's keep the music flowing here. How about a little Black Knight, Master of Disaster?
Alright, Blitzkrieg, first strike of the Ready for Action EP from 1985. I tried for a long time to find a member of that show to have on here. It just never worked out. I don't know if any of them are around anymore. I think one of them, one of the guitar players, I, I friended him on Facebook, but I can never make uh, any contact with him after that. I would have loved to have had them on the show. I really like that EP. And right before that, Trouble with Bastards Will Pay. They're, they're, they're doing a Skull uh, Memorial show to Eric Wagner. It's coming up pretty soon. I'll get you the info on that. It's probably in the Chicago area, so if you're around and you want to check it out, I'm not really sure who's all involved in it outside of some of the guys that were in the Skull. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people coming down and guest appearances. It would be pretty cool if a lot of the guys from the original lineup of Trouble that played with him would have showed up for that, but we'll see what's shaking with that. And we opened up the set right before that with Black Knight, Masters of Disaster. All right, let me see. we got about a half hour here before we call up David. I saw a blabbermouth that I was just browsing through before that people were criticizing the Kingdom Come show uh, from the Sweden Rock Festival. I didn't get a chance to watch any of the videos, so I mean, I don't know. Were they really that bad? I mean, James Kotek, I mean, we had James on the show with his wife, Athena, when they were married, and he was still playing drums for the Scorpions. They had their own band going called Kotek, uh, where she played the drums and he played guitar. And uh, they were both off the fucking wall. I gotta tell you that. Those are two of the craziest guests I've ever had on the show before. You know, and James has had his trouble with the drugs and the alcohol. So I don't know who was the problem at the show. If it was just a whole band thing. You know, where the whole band wasn't driving together. Or was it a sound issue? I should have checked out some of the videos before I came on air. But I just saw it and didn't really have a chance. So if uh, you know anything about it, let me know. I'm curious to see what happened with that show. People talking about it being so bad. All right, let's get back to the music right here, right now. How about a little Sweet Savage off their first record, Eye of the Storm?
with an X road running I really like those guys they only had the one album in 85 called look out for the night uh, they were from Pittsburgh uh, in the Pittsburgh area of Pennsylvania there were two other bands with the same name spelled the same way I believe both from the northwest one was in Oregon and I believe the other one was somewhere near Seattle or somewhere else in Washington State they were pretty good they put out a live EP about a year or so later 
and never heard of the band again after that. Uh, in 2012, some uh, record label put out a compilation with you know everything from the two records to live and a few unreleased tracks. A pretty good band, I have to say. And before that, Mad Max with Night Train to Paris. I have to tell you, you know, uh, Frontier Records, you know, I'm not a fan of the label. It's a shame because when I first started doing this show uh, almost 14 years ago, Frontier Records was one of the first labels that reached out to me. I used to promote all of their artists, and mostly it was bands that had Matt Sinner in it uh, from Sinner. You know, it was Primal Fair. Matt Sinner was one of the key players in a lot of the bands that were coming out back then. Uh, but they have this habit of just like throwing people together into these projects. They're not real bands that go out and tour and play. They're pretty much like 95% of what they have are studio projects. And there are a couple of, you know, established bands that get signed to the label for releases. But they just keep throwing all this shit out there. And there's like one or two people that write all the all the songs for the albums. Now they got like this, I don't know what the hell you call it, like a hard rock and heavy metal version of the Spice Girls called Venus 5. Uh, check out some of the videos. It's absolutely, I mean, the girls are good looking. Don't get me wrong, but the music is horrendous. Songs that were written for them by somebody else. They have no, they, they, they're not involved. Or they don't even own the songs like there's nothing to it. And this is like one of the reasons I don't even really play any artists that are on Frontier anymore. I help promote the label. Uh, they've just made a mockery of the whole metal scene. I mean, it's just ridiculous the crap they're putting out. And, you know, one of my favorite labels, I, you know, Pure Steel, they're starting to turn into the same thing now. I mean, they're not putting out, they're not throwing bands together, like, you know, and putting out projects, but the acts they've been signing lately, I mean, it's just been pure crap, in my opinion. I mean, I'm getting a lot of these records from them to promote. They're like one-man bands or two-man bands. Not much going on there. I mean, you know, nothing interesting at all. So, you know, Pure Steel were like one of those labels that were really promoting, like, you know, the new up-and-coming classic, you know, 80 metal band and the old bands that were playing stuff like that. It just doesn't happen anymore, and it's kind of sad. Uh, you have to give it up to all these labels today that, you know, are re-releasing old bands' demos and albums, because that's kind of where it's at right now. All right, what can we do here? How about a little whiplash? I haven't heard much from these guys in quite a while, so so a little power thrash and death. Metal assault from the ear Feeling it from the brain 
right, 44 Magnum. I've been playing them a lot this week. Nightmare. All right, let's get David online. Hopefully, this will work. I just hooked up a number for Skype so people could start calling into the show again like we used to do it. I tested it all day. It worked fine, but I already had this one set up, so we're going to dial out. And a lot of times, there's blocks on people's cell phones from Skype, so let's see if it works. Hey, Mike. This is David. David, how are you? Good. How are you, my man? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to talk to you today, and I have to tell you, I've been enjoying American Screen for the last couple of weeks. Uh, you got something really good going on here with this. Awesome, man. Thank you. Glad to hear it. That's nope. awesome. I'm happy for you. Let's, I guess let's kind of go back to like where this all came from and how it all started out, and we'll kind of go back to the beginning, sort of for people that don't know. I mean, there was the band Lion Court originally, right? Correct. Yes. And the, I ba- the band just band. recently broke up. Correct. So you're solo so now. Started, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I started. I started Lion Court in 2017. Um, basically, it was just uh, I had written a whole bunch of songs. And then kind of reached out to uh, friends of mine, guys that I had, you know, friends, acquaintances, people that I knew uh, in the area that played. And, uh, you know, kind of saw who wanted to, you know, be part of that idea that I had from that band. Um, I was lucky enough that, you know, all the guys that wanted to be a part of it were. And we had a great time with that. Um, you know, and then, like, obviously with, like, COVID and everything, we slowed down a lot um, due to the fact that, you know, in California, you um, you know, in certain states, it was pretty strict, so you couldn't really do a whole lot of anything. Um, so I think that a lot of a lot of that, I think some people just got bored, and you know, wanted to do some other things. So two of the guys went and started another band with some of their friends, and then um, as time went on, uh, I was just kind of writing music, and I felt like it was kind of going in a different direction. So me and uh, Stacy Rios and Robert John Ghost, who were the uh, the rhythm section, drums and bass. We decided to kind of do our own thing, so we ventured out, uh, you know, after the other two guys had already started the other band. So we just, we're just going ahead as Dave and Langcourt, and, uh, you know, I'm happy that those two guys, you know, uh, want to, you know, beat the rhythm section and kill it. You know, I have, I've written a lot of songs, you know. Uh, I've written about 30 songs this year so far. I think I've got like 70 that I've written since, wow. you know, the COVID pandemic started. Um, you know, so like I just kind of, figured the American Scream was, you know, kind of like the, the first one out the gate that I felt like this was kind of like something that represented where I was at, you know, so on the recording, you know, that's just me playing everything and singing everything. Completely different sounding uh, band and music compared to the Lion Chord band. Like I said, you were going in a different direction. Was it intentional or just as a musician, you know, your taste change, things you listen to change, things you're involved in change? Was that sort of what brought you to the new sound that you have right now? Yeah, you know, it's just it's just that, you know, that gradual evolution, right? Um, as a songwriter, you know, you you listen to as many different types of music as possible because everything has something to offer. Um, you know, and for me, uh, I wrote that kind of during, you know, the whole the whole deal through 2020, 2021. So that was to me was kind of like cathartic of just getting out what I needed to and kind of like it just fit the attitude I had, you know, because I mean, I, I would imagine like a lot of people, um, there's some of us that were pretty pissed about everything. Yeah. Um, so that that whole song kind of like captured where I was at with my frustration. So that's why, you know, like vocally I threw on a little extra heat than I normally would. Um, the tempo is pretty fast, um, you know, just really driving straight ahead drums, everything's pounding. Um 
so I just really wanted to try to capture, you know, what me and the people that I associate with and know were friends of mine and family. We were all kind of on the same page with our, you know, frustrations and whatnot. So it just kind of, that song just kind of captured where I was in, the, in that moment. Um, I mean, I, I pretty much, I think for the American Scream, I pretty much wrote that in like an afternoon. It was just one of those things where I got home and just like sat down, picked up a guitar and smashed out the arrangement and like the vocal melodies. And then um, I think I sat on the lyrics for like four or five days, just trying to figure out if that was what I really wanted to say. And then I went in the studio and knocked that whole thing out in about two and a half hours. Wow. Do you find some of your best songs come that way when they just right away, everything like falls into place or when you have to work at things over and over again, you think it kind of falls apart? Um, I would say, for, for, this is just my experience, I would say that um, the vast majority of my songs come pretty quick. I would say almost every time that I pick up my guitar now, I can write a, a full song within three hours. And that's like, you know, all the bass parts, all the guitar parts, you know, vocal arrangements, melodies, lyrics, drums, everything. Like, it's pretty much done. So, um it, 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 when I first started, you did have those things where you'd hit those blocks, like, I don't know where this needs to go, and, um, you know, but I've been doing it, I mean, it's like anything else, you know, it's like repetitions, you do it enough times, you get to understand where things need it, you learn new tricks as you go, um, so now it's just one of those things where if I have an idea, a thought, or a feeling, I can pretty much pick up my guitar and pull something out of it within two hours, two to three hours. That's incredible. I mean, like you said, you play all the instruments, you do all the recording on your own. I mean, I guess there could be good and bad to that because you wrote the song, you know exactly what you want and how you want it to go. But sometimes having a different member in the band or somebody work with you can throw in a different opinion on something and sometimes it can be magical. I mean, but do you prefer to have it where, you know, you just control the whole ship? Um, absolutely. I mean, I know that to some people that will sound, you know, a little controlling or overbearing. Um, but for me, it's like I, when I sit down and try to write something, I always have an intention, and I hear it in my head before it ever comes out. So my whole thing is trying to get everything that I'm already hearing out as, as close as I can, and obviously throughout the process, you will have things that change. But I found that in terms of like the writing process and bringing other people in, um, I just found it to be quite difficult because you know, depending on where the other person at, is at and their own songwriting ability is going to, you know, sometimes really hinder your your ability to get something out and have it be articulate and powerful and meaningful. Because a lot of times you'll find that you're, instead of writing, you're kind of explaining to another person as to, you know, why are we going to do this? Why is it going to be this many bars? Why are we doing the second verse only half the amount of measures that we did the first verse? You know, or like, why are we trying to get to the chorus before like that one minute mark? You know, like these are things that for me, it's like, you know, I am a, a, a constant student. You know, I listen to everything, all genres. I'm not a music snob in any capacity. I'll listen to country. I'll listen to pop. I'll listen to death metal, Swedish death metal. I don't care if it's a good song. It has my attention because obviously anybody who likes music, we know what when a good song is a good song. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? And then for me, you know, being an endless student in terms of music and songwriting, I'm always looking into, you know, why do I like this? What, what is moving me about this? You know, and not everybody that you meet that plays has that. Not everybody that you meet that plays is a songwriter. I've met a lot of great guitar players. I've met a lot of great singers and a lot of great drummers. But not everybody is a songwriter, and that's like a different beast. 
I mean, so like in my own experience, I just haven't met um, the right person where we can sit down and it's just like, you know, like we were meant to be, you know what I mean? Um, so I just kind of end up just doing everything myself. True. You know, what you just said is something I've said for years. A good song is a good song no matter what the genre is. I mean, it doesn't really make a difference. There's something to it. I mean, to you, what is a good song? I mean, I know obviously something that people like. It's got a good rhythm, a good chorus, or something catchy that people can, you know, latch on to. But in your mind, what do you consider to be a good song? Um, you know, I think that for me, like, I've always been a fan of great singers. Um, you know, uh, my dad was really into, like, 80s hard rock, so I grew up listening to... Queensryche with Jeff Tate or Skid Row with Sebastian Bach on those first two records. Um, so even now when I'm listening to like pop music or contemporary music that is modern, my first thing is I'm always dialed into, is this singer a quality vocalist? You know, are they, you know, using proper technique? Are they breathing right? Do they have a great tone? Um, you know, so the first thing that I'm looking for is, does this person capture me with their voice alone and not even listen to the words? And if that checks a box, then I take another step. Then I'm listening to the melody and, you know, the chord progressions and how is this song moving me, whether it's a fast pissed off song or like a love song or just a dance party pop song. For me, like it, you need to have a great vocalist, good melody and all these things in terms of the rhythm section and the cadence of the vocals, all these things matter. So, I mean, if you can nod your head or if you get chills listening to something, I mean, I think the chill factor uh, is the number one uh, key in terms of, is this a good song? Well, did you get the chills? If you did, there's a good chance that that's a great song. What song made the hands on your arm stand up? I know for me, it was Rainbow Stargazer, the first time I heard that. Oh, man. I mean, I get I get the chills quite a bit. I mean, not so much anymore, um, but when I was younger, it used to happen quite a bit, but I would say um, just off the top, I would say like I Remember You by Skid Row, like when Sebastian would get into that upper register and really yeah. dial it in with like the emotional lyrical factor plus his ability to just go into the stratosphere of his voice. The first time I heard that, I think I was probably like 15, and it blew my mind that somebody, like that a guy could do that with his voice with that much power and that much range and, and have it come across as sincere. Because, you know, again, you know, a lot of people can sing high, a lot of people can do a lot of things in their voices. But I think, like, the true element of somebody who is great in terms of singing is can they convey the emotion that matches the lyrics? And I think Sebastian Bach was one of those guys that really was able to smash that out of the park where you felt what he sang, you believed the words that he was singing due to the fact that the way that he could sing them was believable. And that, for me, was, like, one of those things that I would get crazy goosebumps listening to him sing. Yeah, you know, Sebastian Bach has been one of these guys who's been really vocal about banjos and backing tracks and other things that kind of enhance the performance on live because he doesn't do it. He's like, I'd rather hit a bum note or not do what I can do, you know, and keep singing on, on stage as people come to see a live performance. How do you feel about a lot of bands doing that to me? Motley Crue said that they've done it and they use it. Kiss denies it, but, you know, there's footage of them doing it. I mean, you got a lot of these legacy bands that have been around for 30, 40 years. Let's face it, we all get older and things happen and you kind of lose the ability to perform the way you did, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Do you think it's acceptable, you know, for bands to do that on the live front? I, absolutely. I mean, here, here's the reality. When people go to a show, they want to go there to be entertained and have a great time. So if by having some backing tracks, by having some filler music, maybe you have some organ 
or a piano piece or maybe you have like an orchestra and obviously you have five guys in a band that can't play all those things and it's part of what was on the record then absolutely use those things to help you know fill it up and give people that you know paid 175 dollars and 26 bucks for a beer to have like maybe that's their favorite song so let's try to make it as close to what they are expecting as possible now i do believe that anybody that's up there playing and singing whatever it is that their role is that should be handled by that person like i definitely don't think that you know you know axel rose should go on stage and it's you know the vocal from the record no i want to hear axel sing whether it's good or it's bad but i do understand that there are elements on a song that are going to be necessary to facilitate what was on the record that the the guys in the band are not able to do due to the fact that there aren't enough people so i do believe that backing tracks absolutely have their place and i think that the further we go the more people are going to expect it to sound like what they hear and especially in this day and age where, you know, rock music is, you know, obviously my favorite genre, but I mean, we are, you know, essentially, uh, you know, competing with all these other genres and, you know, like pop music or country. We know that those same artists are doing that or they have 15 people on stage that can play everything, right? So I think that if we're going to, one, compete with all these other genres and, you know, keep the expectation high for everybody, then I think that using backing tracks is not a big deal as long as the four, the three, the five guys or gals, the people who are in the band are actually playing what they're supposed to. Other than that, I have no issues with backing tracks at all. I feel the same way about, like the like it says, certain instruments being played, there's orchestral pieces, maybe you know something on the keyboard where they don't have a keyboard player at all. I'm not a fan of when the lead singer is singing to you know the tracks behind them, because like I said, I'd rather hear him do a bad job than knowing that I'm hearing him live. That's the only thing that does bother me, is when the singers or the guitar players aren't playing live. But I understand a lot of bands have so much going on on record, because it's so easy to put so much on there, that you can't recreate it live with the three or four guys in your band. I mean, is that something you're conscious of when you're writing music? Like, hey, I could put all the stuff on there, but, you know, how do I recreate this on the live front? I mean, I do understand, you know, a lot of, there are a million things that you can put on there, but I mean, I mean, if you listen to any of the Lion Court stuff that I wrote, which is all of it, and, you know, with the American Scream, I am essentially, it's like, in my mind, I sit down, I have like two guitar players in mind, drum space, vocalist, and then the hope that uh, one of one or two of the other guys can help me with harmonies. But other than that, like, I'm just here to, like, put out a rock show. Yeah, you know, earlier you were talking about change, you know, and, and it's important. There's a lot of musicians and a lot of bands that are afraid of change. I mean, you'll have a band like ACDC who for 40 years has kind of put out the same record every time they put out a record. Nothing <laughs> sounds different about yeah. an ACDC, but people love it because it's ACDC. They know what their fans yeah. like, and they give it. But you have other artists that have been around for decades who, you know, after like that heyday kind of ended, they just went experimental and started mixing and everything and trying it. I don't know if it's because they want to see what's going to stick or it's maybe what they're interested in. You know, every couple of years, your taste change. You know, but yeah. is it important to keep changing musically? You know, to be true to yourself, like, because maybe today you're into this, tomorrow you're into that. Or do you feel you got to keep putting out the same stuff to appease the fans? Um, I, now I have an, I might have an interesting take on this. Um, now, in terms of like the way that I like to write music, I think that what the way that I do certain things, I think, you know, with guitars, bass, drums, singing, that will probably remain the same. The only thing that I think that can change up the flavor 
is the production quality. And I think that in the last few years, I think we've seen a gigantic leap forward in how things are being produced and how that we are able to create sounds um, in the studio. So I think that, I mean, if you listen to like some like modern bands, right? Like if you listen to uh, like Architects, for instance, they put out a record, I think in 2020 or 2020 or 2021. And when that came out, it blew my mind due to the fact that their production was absolutely like stellar. I mean, gigantic drums and like how they mixed everything made it sound unique, despite the fact that the music and the way that they were, you know, musically as a band, it wasn't that much different than what they had previously done. But because the production on it was so drastically like modern, it made it sound just, you know, just a cut above everybody else. So what I think what we'll probably end up seeing is you'll probably see a lot of guys playing the same type of stuff, doing the same type of deal, you know, obviously changing a little bit as time goes along. But I think with the, the growth of production and what you're able to do in production will sonically make the same song in five years sound completely different and, you know, more palatable to the ear for those of us who are really into production and production quality. I agree. When it comes to the production part of your music, do you like to take control of that and do it on your own, or is it better to have an ass idea come in and maybe offer their, you know, their opinion? So I go to a good buddy of mine that I've known for a long time. He is the, the guitar player and the songwriter of a band called Skylet Drive. His name is Nick Miller. Um, and so when I did the American Scream, I went in with him, uh, and he recorded everything for me. Um, he's just a monster behind the console. So uh, every time that I write stuff, I always like schedule it with him and go into his studio that he has, and we just crush it. You know, like I said, I went in, and working with him is absolutely great because he's not one of these guys that you know thinks that well, let's try you know you know X Y Z, and you're in there for 15 hours. Like I said, I went in there with the American Scream. I had sent him the demo that I had made at home, and we like kind of listened to it. And he was like, "All right, let's go." And within, I would say, I think I got there at 11 a.m. And at 2.30, I was leaving. We were done. Wow. You, you know, so it was like it was fast. It was painless. We both had a great time. And, you know, I couldn't say enough good things about the guy. So um, when it comes to putting something out, I will probably always go to Nick due to the fact that he captures what I'm hearing. Like, I want big drums. I want aggressive guitars. You know, I want certain things. Uh, sonically to come across and you know it's just he executes that perfectly yeah, you can hear it in the sound of it with the American Scream out now I mean what's the plan is it going to be more singles as we go on or are you looking to get a full length out or an EP so what I'm probably going to do is that I've kind of already mapped out the rest of this year so I'm looking to um, I'm looking to put out a video for this for this song um, and then I plan on doing uh, a single probably sometime in late August, early September will be a follow-up for this. And then I'll do another single probably closer towards the end of November or December. Um, and, and, you know, pair, pair both of those with the music video as well. Um, I have been thinking about just putting out like a full length for 2023. So I'm still kind of thinking about that. Um, I do have the songs fixed out but you know things always change every time I sit down I'm writing another song so it's like oh this is the one I really like this is going to be you know this is the next single so every time that you sit down you have that uh, you know obviously those moments because everything is new and you're really excited about you know, you know the song that you're writing 
Um, but I would say for, for 2022, I've got two more singles that are, that are pretty much already in the can that I'm going to release and put out. And then for 2023, I have not yet decided if I will continue that or if I will just put out like a full length record of like, you know, 10 to 12 songs. That'd be great. I've noticed over the last few years, a lot of musicians are kind of going back to the single format where they put out a single maybe every couple of months or every other month and they're kind of not really going with the full length anymore and like even Skid Row years ago when I was talking with them they were like we're just going to put out EPs for a while because people don't have the attention span to sit through a whole record anymore it's a different generation right now and you know it's getting harder to grab their attention and make them sit through an hour's worth of music so we'll put four songs out five songs out and we'll do singles and I've noticed that a lot of bands are, are just sticking with the single format right now and that's the way it kind of was in the 50s and 60s when music you know when rock and roll just started to get going that's how artists did it it was always 45s always singles do you think that's going to be something that's become more prominent in music absolutely I mean um, that's what, exactly what I did with Langcourt I mean our, I think our, I put out our first single on December like New Year's Eve of 2017 and everything that I did with that band I it was always a single and the reason for that is that the world that we live in with social media is that if you have 10 great songs, right, and you're like, I'm excited about this, I have 10 songs, and I think that they're all worthy of being a single, and you put out that record of those 10 songs, now what? You've, you've pretty much, you, you've blown your whole load in one shot. Yeah. But if you take those 10 singles and you pepper them out, you put them out every, let's say, 8 to 12 weeks, and you pair that with a new music video or maybe a T-shirt bundle, and your new photos, right? You're able to constantly have new content pushing a new idea across all of your social media, which is going to get you, you know, it's going to boost the algorithm. You're going to get more people that are engaged. You're going to have more comments, more people following, um, you know? So if you're a band that's trying to do something, I would say definitely put out a single. I mean, if you're just, you know, wanting to have a good time, you don't mind, and you have a whole bunch of songs ready to go, Put out that record. Have a good time with it. You know, I mean, obviously you can still, you know, push singles while having a record out. Um, but I think that, like you said, like how it was in the 1950s. I mean, look at most pop artists. Most most pop artists are just doing singles. You know, throughout the entire summer, leading into fall, it's just single after single, and it's for the same reason. You're able to push out content and boost the algorithm across. You know, if you have TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, whatever the case is. You know, so a lot of a lot of uh, the ideas behind things now are largely influenced by how social media is structured and because you know if you can put out that content and keep your algorithm kind of like you know pumping then it's a better idea to keep those singles going as opposed to putting out the record and then struggling to have more content within six months because you know with the attention span thing like you talked about if you put out a record of 10 songs and you only have 10 songs how many people are going to give a shit about those 10 songs in 6 months true no, you're 100% right. And you know what's funny is like years ago, you know, when record companies were king, they would give the bands millions of dollars. They would go into the studio for months, if not years, and record a record, put it out. That's all they had to worry about. But like today, you know, with the record labels not really being there for bands like they used to be, I mean, there's still small labels out there that'll help out and get things going for you that really are into the bands and the artists and want to promote them as much as they can. But bands are on their own today. And like, you know, you become the manager, the promoter, you become everything besides a musician. And now, like, you're talking about, you know, social media and algorithms. There's even that that you have to get involved in. I mean, 
this is the world we live in now. I mean, this is the way things are. But And I guess all of this is because social media became such a prominent figure in music and really everything else in people's lives. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I'm writing the music, you know, making the contacts for videos, making the contacts for shows, making the contacts for everything. I run all the social media, the Facebook, the Instagram, you know, and then like you do, you wear many hats and, you know, a lot of people ask me, why would you do it? And for me, it's just not even an option. It's like, I'm a songwriter. I'm a singer. I'm a guitar player. This is what I do. And I have completely accepted the fact that part of that is, is I have to, you know, run social media accounts and, you know, make contacts with photographers so I can get some photos done, make contacts with videographers so I can have, you know, music videos made. I, you know, it's like, it's a hundred percent DIY. Like this is all on you, whether you want to be great or little or big or huge, or it's just fun. You have to learn some of this stuff. Like it's there, it's a necessity. And like you said, a lot of us are just, you know, for the most part, kind of on your own. I mean, luckily enough, I've met some people over the years that, uh, you know, are currently helping me now with some things, but this is the first time in, you know, five years that I've had like substantial help where it's kind of lessened the load off of me a little bit to where I'm not the guy that's doing 100% of everything 100% of the time, which has been you know, uh, a bit of a relief. It's allowed me to kind of refocus back on to, you know, pick up my guitar and focus on, you know, writing a good song. I was going to say, does that affect the musical part of, you know, what you do? Because sometimes you spend so much time, uh, I'll call it the management part of it or the business part of it, that it just becomes a distraction towards the music end of it where you just really can't get your head into it? Um, I wouldn't say that because, I mean, it's, you know, you're able to kind of like compartmentalize the different aspects of what it is, what this thing is, right? So, like, I know that I have to do all those things. Um, you know, I've been in management, so to me, it's just it's kind of like a duck to water. Like, I get it, but I'm also like the other side of me that is the guy that wants to write a good song. It's like I'm two people. Like, it, it doesn't really affect me. Like, I sit down and play, pick up my guitar. I'm not thinking about man. I got to respond to that. Or I got to do a post on Instagram at this time, and I got to yeah. follow up with these people on Facebook. I pick up a guitar, and the only thing I'm thinking about is, man, this riff better be sick, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, um, I mean, I can see how that, for a lot of people, that might be a bit of a distraction. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, man. you got to make the best of what you have while you have it. True. I, over the last couple of months, most of the states have started opening up again. You know, I'm seeing more and more tours coming through town now. Bands are out playing again. It's it's actually a pretty crowded field right now because you had people for two, almost three years that were kind of sidelined. They couldn't do anything. Now there's like hundreds of albums coming out every week. Everybody's trying to get on tour. There's three or four sometimes. I'm in New York. You're in California. We're in big places where a lot can take place in, in the course of one night. So are you looking to get out there and start playing live again now? Or are you going to maybe hold off for a little while until things calm down? Um, I think that more than likely we'll probably start playing this fall. Um, I'm kind of just focused right now on um, getting through like phase one, which is, you know, the American scream. Like I said, I'm going to be shooting um, a video with uh, my drummer and our bassist, you know, Stacey Rios and River John Ghost. So we'll be doing a video later this month shooting it. I'll probably put it out uh, sometime in July. Um, just to keep this whole American Scream thing going. I mean, obviously, since I put this out, it's the reaction that I've gotten from it was considerably larger than I was ever expecting. So um, I'm just going to keep pushing that as much as I can. 
Um, but we are looking to begin playing shows, I would say probably late summer, early fall kind of deal. You know, maybe like start booking like the first local shows to kind of warm everything up, uh, maybe like around the end of August, early September. Um, but definitely want to get back out there and start playing. It's been, you know, a considerably amount, a considerable amount of time since I have. And, you know, the largest reward of doing all of this is playing on stage. There is nothing like playing for a room full of people who are just excited to be there. You know, maybe they worked all day. Now they have a beer in their hand. They're not thinking about anything. They're just having a good time. And the shared energy in the room, that is something that is so special. And we are all definitely looking forward to getting back to that. That's going to be great. What would the what would the set list consist of? Would it be most of the new music you're writing? Are you going to go back to some of the, the line quest stuff to mix in? It's going to be about 50-50 for the time being. So we are obviously, we're going to put the American Stream out, and i got a couple more singles that are coming out this year. We'll be playing those as well. And then we're probably just going to cherry pick the the Lion Court stuff that we all like the most. You know, so like there'll be, I'm sure they'll, we'll probably play Haunted and Porcelain Bones in the songs that got like the biggest reaction live. I mean, we all still love those songs. I mean, I loved writing those songs. Um, so I don't have any intentions of, you know, just scrapping those because, you know, people wanted to go off and do their own thing. I'm absolutely going to continue to play those songs. Well, they're a part of your life and a part of your musical history. So, I mean, being the main guy behind it, why wouldn't you want to play them? I mean, it's just, you know, I know it was a different band, but it's you and it's your band, really. Absolutely. 100%. That'll be a great thing. Hey, David, I'm not going to keep you, man. I appreciate you talking to me today. I want to play some some of your music for people. And you know what? When your next single comes out, come back on. We'll do this all over again. How's that sound? Absolutely. I would love to. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Thank you. My pleasure, David. Take care. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. We've been talking about it. So how about we get on American Scream from David Lioncourt.
David Leinkoff for being on tonight's show. we got about a half hour or so left. There's no show next week. It's Father's Day. I'm taking off to spend the day in the pool and barbecuing with the family. So uh, I wish everybody happy Father's Day right now in case I forget by the end of the show. But when we come back the week after that, which should be the 20, what, the 26th, I believe? Yeah, the 26th of July. We have Gore on the show and we have Rev Taylor from Greyhawk. A great band out of Seattle. They just played at the uh, this, at the Songbringers Festival uh, this weekend. It looked killer. I wish I was there for that one. But you know what? Attack is going to be playing real soon. Uh, what a great reunion show here in New York. They're going to have Sacred Oath playing, doing the whole Crystal Vision album, and the reunited Mean Streak. So I cannot wait to see that. The last time I saw Mean Streak was in the late 80s when they played at Lamore. So And I believe it's the entire classic lineup of the band. I gotta reach out to Bettina again, see if I get her on the show and uh, maybe talk about how this all came about. That's gonna be a great show. Attacker is opening up that show. It's gonna be incredible. So be there. It's in Brooklyn. It's another one of these little shithole places, you know, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Uh, maybe it's Greenpoint. I'm not even sure where it is, but it's like a converted freaking mechanic shop or something, you know, where the floors shake and everything moves. <laughs> uh, as I get old, I get tired of going to these type of places, but I'm not gonna miss that show. I'll be there for that. And Except is going to be out on tour in the fall. I'm looking forward to seeing Except live. It's been a very long time. Uh, I can't wait to see. Even though it's only Wolf, you know, the only original member left, they always put on a great show. And let's face it, Mark does sound a lot like Gudo. He always has, and he does a great job doing those old songs. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, how about a little Alien Force with Ripper? <laughs>
Dagger, give them what they want. And right before that, Cast Dying with Leather and Metal. And Imam was just saying in the chat room, wow, Running Wild. They sounded exactly like Running Wild. At least, you know, the old school Running Wild, not before they became pirates. I hated all the pirates. So I, I, just, I just have a dislike for pirate metal in general. And Running Wild went on with that for far too long. And they spurred on a lot of other bands that come into that scene. And I'm just not a fan of pirate metal or folk metal. Those are the two things I just have no interest in whatsoever. But Cast Iron were a good band. They put out that one record. I think they were around for maybe three or four years in the mid-2000s or so. And that was it. Never heard from them again. They were out of Finland. But a really solid act. And right before that, Alien Force with Ripper. I'm working on getting those guys on the show for July. I've sent up all the guests right now. Like I said, the week after next, we have Rev Taylor from Greyhawk on the show. And I, I was supposed to be Blatha from Gore, but it might be Pustulous. I'm not sure. I mean, it doesn't matter what character you get, right? <laughs> so one of them will be on here the following week. Uh, we're off next week for Father's Day, like I said earlier. I've been watching a lot of the videos on YouTube of, you know, the Merciful Fate. They're out on tour right now. And I'll tell you, you know, we were talking earlier uh, with David about people using backing tracks. I don't know if King Diamond's using a backing track a lot, but if he's not... Holy crap, his voice sounds just as good now as if not better than it did in the 80s. I mean, this guy's hitting notes like they were nothing. I mean, and that, this is live, so I really wonder. I mean, you know, somebody will catch it sooner or later mention if it is, but if he's not, God bless him, man. His voice is all there, and they sound great live. And I'm thinking about uh, actually going to check him out in Vegas at the end of this tour, playing, I think, Psycho Vegas. So if they don't announce anything else, throughout, I know they're going to tour the U.S. It'll happen eventually. I guess I'm just waiting to see what happens. Uh, but if it doesn't come up before that show, I think I'm going to head out there. All right. Well, we just did some Dagger. How about we do a little Nasty Savage, another band that's been playing out all over the place lately. Let's do some old school Witcher Sabbath. <laughs> Burn at the stage They deserve their fate 
Okay, Wild Dogs. Take another prisoner. Before that, our band for the month of June. TT Quick with Hard as Rock. Then VHF with Take It to the Top. There were three bands with that same name that all came out of England during the new wave of British heavy metal phase. Uh, so I don't know how to tell you which one this is because all three of them came from the same area, which was kind of weird. Uh, but they didn't have any records out as far as I know. This came off the third demo tape. Uh, from the early 80s. They had like three demo tapes. Maybe they had a single. I really don't remember that far back, but uh, there were three of them around that time. And we started things off with Nasty Savage and Witcher Sabbath. I want to thank David Leinkoff for being on tonight's show. I want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day next week. We'll be off the air so we can celebrate and have a good time and actually have a couple of drinks and enjoy myself. But we'll be back the week after that, the 26th of June with Gwar and Greyhawk. So don't forget to tune in Sunday the 26th. I will see you guys then. Thank you for tuning in. You know, we were talking about the show coming up in August with Mean Streak. How about we play a little Mean Streak? I'll see you guys in two weeks. Take care, everybody. Virginia is for eaters and drinkers, all kinds of eaters and drinkers, for oyster shuckers and slurpers, winery samplers or all-day wine drinkers, brewery hoppers and distillery sippers, for those who order grits and those who order cheese grits. 
We all know what the right way to order is. For barbecue triers who turn into finger lickers and meat off the bone suckers. Mm. All right, all this talk of food is making me hungry. I gotta go get some mac and cheese. Like I was saying, Virginia is for all sorts of food lovers. So come love it for yourself. Serta Pro painters have powers beyond those of ordinary painters. The power of timeliness. We show up when we say we will, on time and fully caffeinated. The power of transformation. Also known as making your house look so good, your neighbors will be jealous. The power of certainty. That's your local Serta Pro painters. The power of pro. Get your project started at SertaPro.com. Each Serta Pro painter's business is independently owned and operated. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.